0: Hello wonderful friends, welcome to Drive Time here on Faith FM. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is also the show where we spend a bit of time looking at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Joseph Matichich, currently the Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia, and I'm delighted to be your host for the program today. So welcome along to the program, wherever you might be joining us. Our text line number here 888 That number again is 4 888 We would love to hear from you, wherever you might be joining in, uh, let us know, send us your thoughts and uh, we'd like to, to, to hear that. Now today we begin a new series. We're looking at the whole topic of, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? We'll be looking at this fascinating topic for the next three weeks and we have a special presenter for this entire series Pastor Don Felberg, who will be joining us on the phone uh, each time here on Drive Time. Pastor Don Felberg has spent many years working as a pastor, a Bible teacher, an international speaker and evangelist. Although now uh, in retirement, he still enjoys speaking and presenting, and we're delighted to have him on, on Drive Time. More recently, Don has been a, working as the regional pastor for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across Australia. Don, welcome to the program today. Thank you, Pastor Joseph. Happy to be
1: with you and your listeners.
0: Look, it's great to have you, Don. and. Um, I'm really looking forward to uh, beginning this series with you this afternoon, today, here. Um, This this topic that uh, our good colleague, uh, Pastor Gary Hodgkin, has actually liaised and and, and arranged, hasn't he? Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, it's a very important subject. And I think um, it's important for us to remember our roots, Pastor Joseph. I think spiritually to remember our roots and uh, and in this specific case to remember why we are Protestants and I think in this day and age uh, people are forgetting why we are Protestants and so it's good for us to go over some of this history together.
0: And of course as we go through the history Don uh, we're going to also be uh, highlighting what the Bible teaches and the important topics that, that people long ago and, um, and throughout history have actually really fought to ensure is, is um, promoted and shared and, and taught and, and lived out. Would, would you agree?
1: Yes, certainly. I think of that text in Revelation 2.10 where Jesus said, Be faithful even unto death. Now, if we're going to be faithful to death, we need to know what we're faithful to. That's right. We need to understand it. Otherwise, why would you die for it? That's
0: exactly right. And, you know, it's interesting, Don, um, I I get a sense, and I don't know about you, but uh, people are indeed searching and wanting to know what, what uh, the truth is um, from from God's word fr- from the Bible um, I was I was just um, speaking with uh, pastor Gary Hodgkin just a little bit earlier um, to going on air and um, as you know Don you uh, you've been co-hosting with him uh, about once a week on average the last little while here on drive time haven't you
1: yes. That's right.
0: And uh, Gary's incidentally uh, running a, a series in his local church at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church on Monday evenings, a Bible marking series. And, uh, yeah, just tonight, for example, they're looking at uh, what the Bible says about the signs of Jesus' return. And, um, yeah, so if anybody uh, is in the, the southern suburbs of Adelaide on a Monday evening, uh, look up the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I know you you'll really enjoy being part of this uh, Bible Marking series, it's 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 been a great uh, a, a great program that, that's going on, on down there. So, Don, yeah. uh, we're, we're looking here at, is the Protestant Reformation still needed in the third millennium? Um, now, you've spoken on this and similar themes over the years, haven't you?
1: Yes, yes, I have. I've run meetings around Australia and even overseas.
0: Wow, okay. And um, we are so delighted that you... Have the time and the and the the willingness to to join us uh, today here on Drive Time, and as I said over over the next three weeks, as we look, unpack this and look at uh, look at various aspects. Today, in particular, we're going to be starting off by looking at uh, at the question that is, um, did the Church of the Apostles really fall away? So we're going to get into that uh, uh, mm-hmm. a, a little bit later on. But um, uh, look, as we often.
1: Pastor Joseph, if I could just mention something interesting. You were saying how folk are, are searching and looking, and I just had a ring this afternoon from South Australia, from Victor Harbour, and a lady rang up, and uh, she told me how she has been discovering new things from the Bible. She went along to Pastor Mark Wilson's um, series of Bible meetings, and uh she said it's really helped her to understand things in the scriptures, and she's so excited about what she's learning.
0: That's that's great. That's amazing, and yeah, you know, great great to hear that, Don. And I guess that's why we're delighted to be able to hear on Drive Time uh, each time. Look at look at various Bible topics, and look at how it actually intersects, how it relates to to the times in which we live in. Yes,
1: yeah, true.
0: And uh, that, le- that leads me, Don, into our World Watch segment here today. Um, I, I came across uh, some news here, Don, that uh, talks about the fact that in, in Victoria, um, the Victorian uh, Parliament is considering uh, dropping the Lord's Prayer from the beginning of, of Parliament. Um, the Lord's Prayer has been a regular feature In the Victorian Parliament, it says here, since the early part of last century, it's been recited at the start of each sitting day since 1918, Um, and the the prayer opens uh, the sitting day also in federal parliament, and most of the state and territory parliaments across Australia uh, have a requirement to read a prayer at the start of proceedings. Uh most of them do that. The the ACT Parliament, by contrast, asks its members to stand in silence and pray or reflect on their responsibilities to the people of the ACT. But at the moment the, there are changes being being put forward in Victoria by an MP here, Fiona Patton, a reason party Upper House MP, Fiona Patton, who's going to push for a debate and a vote on a motion to scrap the prayer and instead have the President of the Legislative Council open the day by instructing MPs, and I quote, to stand in silence and pray or reflect on their responsibilities to the people of Victoria. Not unlike, uh, end quote, not unlike the ACT model. Uh, you know, Don, it, it, it mentions here that Ms. Patton, an atheist, has argued since 2019 that reciting the prayer makes Parliament seem like, in her words, a Christian's club, which she says is inappropriate for a secular institution. Uh, She also says that there are now more than 100 religious affiliations in Australia and a parliament that's designed to represent a multicultural, multi-faith society should not be so closely tied to one religious uh, viewpoint. Um, Her proposed moment of silence could be used in prayer, meditation, mindfulness or even simple reflection on what the MP hopes to achieve in parliament that day. Now, uh, it goes on the article to say that unsurprisingly there's opposition to this from from religious groups. Now, um, Don... I'm interested in your thoughts on, on, on this one, you know, um, the Lord's Prayer uh, said at the start of Parliament in our country now for many, many years, mm-hmm. are you, you know, are you surprised that there's this push to do away with it?
1: Well, I'm not really surprised because we, we're living in a very secular Australia and it seems that most things Christian are being pushed further and further out, and people don't seem to want to be to be part of of it. and uh, And I think that's a worrying sign. This country was was really built on the foundation of Christian principles and morals, as was the United States of America and uh, and that's i believe what has made these countries countries of freedom and uh, and great countries and i think it's a worrying trend that we're putting these things to the side and um it makes me wonder what are going to be our moral boundaries Yes, you know what? Yes. What is right? What's what's right and what's wrong? How do we work out what's right and what's wrong? It seems to me that uh, this whole trend will only lead lead to confusion and to and to a lack of freedom and to hopelessness.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. You you say that, and Don, you know this this MP uh, clearly she's. You know, is self-confessed atheist um yeah. um now what what would you what would you like for instance in another in report here she she said that you know, part of the reason um she's she gives for wanting the lord's prayer done away with she says reciting a religious prayer from one religion at the beginning of a secular parliament she says is completely out of step with our community and it's an insult to the diversity of our our community an archaic remnant of olden time she -hmm. then she then poses the question what other workplace starts with a prayer what would
1: you (laughs) what what would you how would you respond to that well, she's probably right that few workplaces these days start with a prayer. I, I just uh, think about uh, Cadbury's—you know, the factory that makes the, the that's become famous for its chocolates. Yes. Uh, for many, many years, that firm uh, had a worship uh, to start the day, and uh, and the the, the Cadbury's uh, people who ran that firm. They were they were very um, godly people, and they were very kind people to their workers. They were far ahead of their times in the way they treated their workers. So, yes, what she says is, is true. A lot of people no longer embrace Christianity, but um, it seems to me it, it's a sad thing that they don't embrace Christianity. It's helped to make our country great, and if we turn aside from those principles, well then we're in big danger.
0: yeah that's that's very very well put uh, Don I appreciate that and I, I just wanted to ask uh, uh, our listeners you know, what are your thoughts Sh- should we should the Lord's prayer be removed from from our Parliament? I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on our text line number which is 04 what do you think about this push to remove the Lord's Prayer from uh, from the beginning of Parliament uh, in in our country, or in this case, particularly uh, in, in Victoria? And um, the same the the same uh, uh, MP Don is also wanting to remove tax exemptions. For religious organisations, which would clearly include include churches, um, mm. now this this one's probably not that surprising, is it, Don? I mean, uh, this is something that the number of people over times really kind of, I guess, rankled with how 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 um, religious organisations and charities are are able to avoid uh, cer- certain taxes, and um, I guess this is not this one's not surprising, really.
1: No, well, that's right, and uh, I guess if you throw out God and you throw out prayer and you throw out the Bible, well, you have you don't want to give uh, churches any uh, any favours. I, I would I would just reflect on the fact that it's the Christian Church that initially started the education program for children. It was the Christian Church that started orphanages and hospitals. And it was only later that secular governments took up these things. Yes. And so, you know, the fact that uh, over the years, churches uh, and charities have been given tax deduction was, a, I guess, an appreciation for what they did for the community. Yes. But when people no longer, well, the government's taken over a lot of those things now and in many ways, have tried to push the Christian side, uh, the Christian church aside from those things. Mm, mm. You know, I I think um, with our Aboriginal um, communities, the churches uh, ran missions and many of the people, from my experience, appreciated the missions and uh, what the missionaries did for them. Now, I know there's been some sad chapters, but... Overall, many of the people appreciate it. And uh, when the government stopped the funding for the missions uh, and said, we'll take over, we'll run the show, for me, things have uh, not gone quite so well, educationally-wise, literacy-wise, and all of that. There's been, yeah, I, I I think things went, uh, you know, many many people saw the benefits of what the missions did. So that's just a little side sort of comment on this. Yeah,
0: yeah. Now that's a very, very good comment, Don, from your own from your own experience, from firsthand what what you have seen, and um, just highlights how how significant this is. What what we're talking about, and look. Um, We've got a comment that's come through here on our chat line, um, text line from Siema. Thank you, Siema says the Lord's Prayer should remain in Parliament. Yeah, very, very good thought there. Look, Don, well, if we forget
1: if we forget God, we're certainly at sea, aren't we? That's exactly right. Now, just... and, I, and I think I think Pastor Joseph has. Have of the Adolf Hitler's words uh, on one occasion where he said he didn't want any help from God, he didn't want God to interfere with anything he did. And I say, look where he ended up and look what he did. Yeah. And we try to go down that road.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. No, thank you, Don. Well, look, let me... Uh, Mentioned, we have a, a a great book offer today on today's show. It's a book called "The Vanishing Protestant." Interesting title by Charles Dawson. Uh, in this in this little book, uh, Charles uh, examines the political climate uh, fifteen years into the twenty first century in regard to religious freedom. Um, now it's it's looking particularly at the uh, the context of the um, the First Amendment in the United States, uh, seen as a special privilege. Uh, one member of the U.S. Congress seems to think that that First Amendment rights as a as a special privilege. If that were the case, there would be no protection from a government with unlimited power to distribute, modify, and rescind privileges, and the, and um, if you get this book, you'll be able to discover the importance of this, uh, why this is relevant. and uh, Just a little bit of a description here about this book. Um, long before there was a First Amendment or even a United States, a Catholic monk by the name of Martin Luther recognized that his church didn't follow the teachings found in Scripture. He longed and labored for church reform. Instead, he found his calling in ushering the Protestant movement, a movement that uncovered the exploited activities of what was once his beloved church. And so, our that's that's a little bit about what this book is, the Vanishing Protestant. That's our free offer. If you'd like to get a copy of this book, all you need to do is text the code S A sixty two to our number o four triple eight eight zero eight double one, and the Faith FM giveaway bot will. Um, Uh, ask for your details and take it from there. So the the code word here is SA62 and uh, text it to 4888 Look, Don, we're just going to take a quick break, enjoy a lovely piece of music, and then when we come back, we're going to begin our series, Is Protestantism Needed in the Third Millennium? You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time.
2: Restored by His Spirit Jesus my Savior died to save us all Now that I've surrendered My life completely He will lead me every day is the greatest joy for me
0: That's uh, Grego pille one of my uh, pastoral colleagues uh, in New South Wales with a great voice. He's been blessed with a great voice and he's singing Washed by His Blood. You're listening to Drive Time on Faith FM. Uh, my name is Joseph Manichich and uh, my co-host today, Don Felberg, Pastor Don Felberg. We're looking at uh, the topic of Is Protestantism Still Needed? In the third millennium, over the next three weeks as we explore that, we're going to be looking at various aspects of that and today we kick it off by looking particularly at the question, did the church of the apostles really fall away? And we're delighted, Don, that you are going to be sharing with us and we look forward to what you have to share. So let's get into it, shall we, Don, and uh, begin this very, very important series.
1: Yes. Well, the first thing I would say is that the church that Jesus Christ established that was built on the foundation of the, the prophets and the apostles was a very dynamic church. Uh, I think it's described well by the first seal of Revelation chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, And I looked, and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. You see, Pastor Joseph, this church, the the church of the of Christ and the apostles, uh, uh, taught the pure and simple teachings that uh, Jesus had given, and the apostles had uh, reiterated, and. Um, They preached a crucified and a risen saviour with power. They preached the Bible. Yes. They believed the Bible. They knew what they believed and they believed what they knew. I like that. And so no wonder it says they went forth conquering and to conquer. Mm. Mm. And, And you know, history tells us that they shook the Roman Empire to its foundations with the message of Christ. You know, Pastor Joseph, the historians claim that about 5 million people had accepted Christ by the end of the first century. Now that's staggering, isn't it? It is. When you think those disciples weren't university trained, they, uh, you know, they, they didn't, they were fishermen. And here they went forth with a conviction in their hearts that they had something good to share with the world and And they just shared it everywhere, and people saw the genuineness of it, and they responded. And so it's claimed that the message of Christianity went as far as India and China. They have the Thomas Christians uh, there in India, down in the southern part, China. Um, even, Even some of the Chinese symbols are really... Uh, uh, symbols of, of Christianity or teach Christian messages, and, and uh, some some fifty thousand people, Pastor Joseph, converted from paganism to Christianity in the city of Rome itself. Yeah, that's that's that's
0: quite a testimony uh, to the power of the. The, the teachings and the life of Jesus to to change people's lives when we, when we think of of Jesus himself three and a half years that he spent in in Palestine and as you said with those uh, the group of disciples that that he had with him uh, simple mainly simple people uh, a small yeah. group like that yet they they had talked and walked with Jesus they were eyewitnesses of of who he or what he did and who he was and then ultimately, I guess, to see him um, crucified on a cross, die for them, give his life, be resurrected three days later, uh, that transformed them, that emboldened them, and nothing could stop them going going forth, pro- pro- proclaiming that, that the good news about Jesus.
1: Yes, yes. Now, sadly, Pastor Joseph, uh, in that prophecy and revelation, it seems to indicate that something's going wrong because after the white horse comes a red one and then a black one and then a pale one. And
0: the, num- seems- and the and the colours are significant, aren't they?
1: They are. It seems to depict deterioration, doesn't it? And that fits in with what the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian elders when he met with them. It's recorded in Acts chapter 20. And verses 28 and 29. He said, therefore he's talking here to the leaders of the Christian church in Ephesus. He said, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul says, that after my departure, in other words, after he would die, uh, he says, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things. Uh, to draw away disciples after them. So here there's, there's a warning in what Paul says that trouble was on the horizon. After his departure, after Paul and Peter and John and all of these would pass away, some strange things would begin to happen in the Christian church. Don't you get that sort of feeling from those verses? certainly do
0: that 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 is quite a quite a foreboding statement isn't it that 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 Paul gives and um, to think also Don that you know relatively soon after the 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 early Christian church got established you know, we're talking what within uh, 30 40 50 sixty years already yeah. there, 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 there was the the prediction that unfortunately uh, things would go
1: awry. Yes, and that's backed up by what Paul says further in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He's writing now to the Christians in the town of Thessalonica, which I've been to up there in Greece. And, um, and here he said to these people, he said, Second um, Thessalonians 2 verses 3 and 4, let no one deceive you by any means, he said. For that day that is the coming of Christ Will not come unless the falling away comes first And mm. the man of sin is revealed The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself Above all that is called God or that is worshipped So that he sits as God in the temple of God Showing himself that he is God So there he says There's going to come a falling away first That's and,
0: uh, a, that, that's an interesting phrase uh, Don falling away, isn't it?
1: It it is, yes. And it it fits in with what Paul said to those Ephesian elders, there's trouble coming. And uh, then verse 7, he says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So like you said before, Pastor Joseph, very early on, Paul could see that there were things that were beginning to creep in, Uh, that uh, weren't in harmony with what Jesus had taught. And uh, as he warned, as time went on further, more and more things would creep in. And to me, it's so important, and I would say to our listeners, it's so important that our faith is based on what Jesus said Mm. and what Peter wrote and what Paul wrote and what John wrote, that our faith is based on the word of God. Now, for a little while, things, um, I I should say, this falling away, I guess, was slowed up by the fact that there was persecution under Roman emperors like Nero and Diocletian. You know, many Christians were thrown to the lions and that sort of thing. So that helped to keep the church a bit more pure Mm -hmm. because, (laughs) you know, you you wouldn't stand up and say I'm a Christian if you're a wishy-washy one or half committed, you mm. know. If yes. you knew you might be facing the lions, that's true. But but something happened, Pastor Joseph, in the early uh, fourth century there, by in the early three hundreds, when the Roman Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity, um, and so then the persecution stopped. And it was the popular thing then to become a Christian, and so the pagans flooded into the church. I've even read that Constantine um, offered people money if they would uh, become Christians. You know, if they would be baptized, and so <laughs> you can imagine many people flocked into the church and said, "Now we're Christians."
0: And and and, yeah. they're, and they're joining, they're becoming Christians for completely the. Yeah, the the, the wrong reasons to what what it's
1: about. Yeah, I I heard once, I heard it said that he actually got his army to drive some people into the Tiber River and said well now you're baptised, you know
0: Just like that,
1: wow. Yeah (laughs) and and now in fairness Pastor Joseph I think that there were many uh, genuine people in the early Christian church who said well look we'd like to win more of these pagan people to Christianity. And and they thought, well, if we changed a few things and we made it a little bit easier for them to become Christians, um, well, then we we would get more and more into the church. So they wanted people to come into the church and to become Christians. That was a good motive.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But sadly... Um in 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 relaxing things, making it easier changing things, they ended up changing the truth of God. And I, um, I I've I've got an interesting little statement here from Peer Cyclopedia, and um, it's on the subject of Christmas. And I'll read this little little statement here from Peer's Cyclopedia. Now, you know what an encyclopedia or, or a cyclopedia is. It's just a secular book of information. That's right. So regarding Christmas, it says, The actual day on which Christ was born has never been decided, and there is some uncertainty about the year. December 25, as the day of nativity, was not generally observed until the 5th century AD. Hmm. Though, at the winter solstice, it had long been observed as a pagan festival of Sol uh, Invictus, or the unconquered sun. Hmm. And so, you see, in the early days of Christianity, some said, well, look, We've been worshipping, we've been worshipping the sun god on December 25. Now we're Christians. Let's say it's the, it's the day we worship the son of God. Let's make it his birthday. And so you can see how very subtly, um, some of these things were introduced. The festival of Ishtar turned into the festival of Easter. Now, instead of celebrating the fertility worship and the moon goddess, they would celebrate instead the crucifixion and the resurrection.
2: Mm.
1: Have you ever wondered, Pastor Joseph, why Easter travels through March and April if it's really celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection? Wouldn't it be a fixed date like your birthday? You that would that would make sense, absolutely. But the Ishtar Festival is locked in with the moon, you see. That's why it travels through Easter, through March and April. Pastor Joseph, have you ever wondered if Easter is celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection? Why we have Easter eggs and Easter bunnies? What have they got to do with the crucifixion and the resurrection? Yeah,
0: no, no, no real connection.
1: Folks sometimes say, well, they're a symbol of uh, new life, you know, but mm, mm. but the history tells us that the egg was a symbol of fertility and I've seen it on so many of the Roman uh, pieces of architecture. You see the egg in the womb motif and uh, the rabbit was a quick breeder and so it was seen as the fertility uh, symbol. And uh, they were used, the egg and the rabbit were used in the worship of Ishtar, and they just got carried over into the Easter um, Easter celebration. Now, I should hasten to say, Pastor uh, uh, Joseph, that some people get worried when they hear this. They say, oh, Christmas and Easter, did they have pagan origins like this? Well, perhaps we should avoid them altogether. I would say to that that they are biblical
2: events
1: (laughs) and it's not wrong to remember them. The Bible says Jesus was born into our human family and uh, the the crucifixion and the resurrection are historical biblical events. So it's not wrong to remember them. And just because the pagans did something doesn't make it wrong unless it conflicts with the word of God. And so if, um, you know, I don't see anything wrong about um, remembering Christmas on December 25 because we are remembering a biblical event when we're remembering the birth of Jesus. But if it can, if something conflicts, if a pagan tradition conflicts with the word of God, well, then it becomes a different matter. Mm, mm. Yes, that's... I have an interesting statement here from Dr. J. C. Woodhouse, and uh, he he was a historian, and he made this comment. He said, "As the stream of Christianity flowed further from the pure fountain, it became more and more corrupt. As centuries advanced, ignorance and superstition increased, and unauthorized mortifications and penances." Rigorous fasting, vows of celibacy, the jargon and repetition of prayers not understood, tales of purgatory, worship of saints, relics and images, took the place of the pure, simple Christianity, until at length the Book of God, being laid aside for legendary tales and the traditions of men, all these were corruptions. All these corruptions were collected into a regular system of superstitious oppression.
0: Wow, that's that's quite that's a quite a statement, uh, Don. There really, you know, just shows how how far the church uh, went. You know, to how did how did it put it there about the Bible was just a. Uh, yeah. a, a
1: relic. It, yeah, it, it laid aside for legendary tales and the traditions of men. It says, mm, mm. And, and so as some have said, instead of the church converting paganism, paganism began converting the church. Wow, wow! And yeah. Ed, Edward Gibbon, the Roman historian, said paganism disappeared only to emerge again in the church. Mm, mm. Mm. And so that's a pretty sad reflection. Now, Pastor Joseph, maybe I should share some specific examples of this. One would be the pagans worship their idols and their images. And these things that were forbidden by the second commandment now began to be introduced into the Christian church. And sometimes the old pagan images just simply had name changes. I've seen the statue of uh, of Peter, the Apostle Peter there in in St. Peter's, And I've stood there and I've seen people coming along and they they will kiss the toe of this statue. They will caress the toe. They'll stand there and get their photo taken by the, the statue. And when I looked at the toe Pastor Joseph, it's actually been worn away and has had to be replaced.
0: Yes, I think I've had the opportunity to visit that exactly myself and notice that that that, that, yeah. that, that, that toe you know, carved out of stone, completely completely smooth and, and flattened because of, of so many people yeah. c- coming and doing that.
1: Now that that toe didn't get wore off, worn off in the Christian era. That old that statue, that they now call St. Peter used to be called Jupiter, the sun god.
0: Is that that so?
1: But you see, in the early days of Christianity, when they wanted to make the church more acceptable for the pagans, they said, well, instead of calling him Jupiter, now we're Christians, we'll call him St. Peter. And the people had the practice of kissing Jupiter's toe, and they just carried it on. Now. You might remember in the Bible there, in Acts chapter ten, verses twenty-five and twenty-six, where where Cornelius uh, bowed down to worship Peter when he came to visit, and Peter said, "Stand up." He said, "I'm just a man." Mm. So I couldn't help but think, would Peter be would he be happy with people coming and kissing his toe and all of this? You know, I don't think so. Another thing that slipped into the Christian church was confession to a priest. 1 mm. Timothy 2 verse 5 says, we have one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And yet this was, uh, this was introduced where people came and confessed to a priest. Then there was the worship of Mary. Now, I would quickly say that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a wonderful lady. But she is not our saviour. She's not our mediator. She's not our go betwee,n and it's very interesting. The pagans had their mother, their their female goddesses or their goddesses, and so Mary became the Christian goddesses, as it were. Mm. Um, purgatory and hell were introduced. Uh, as teachings into the Christian church. I mean an eternally burning hell that never goes out. Um, this idea of purgatory, nowhere taught in the Bible, but uh, the church introduced this as um, something to sort of try to scare people into attending church And uh, the idea was that if you're not uh, good enough to go to heaven and you're not bad enough to go to hell, well, you go to purgatory and you get fixed up so that you can go to heaven. Mm. You know, nothing in the scriptures that teach that at all. And in fact, the pure, simple gospel of Christ is quite against that teaching. Relics were worshipped. I've been to the Church of St. Cross in Jerusalem there. And I've seen thorns from the uh, crown of thorns that was put on Jesus' head. Well, at least they said they were thorns from the crown of thorns. They said they had the cross. They showed us the cross beam of the good thief's uh, cross. They showed us some pieces of wood from the cross. And and pastor, they showed me the finger of doubting Thomas. Oh. Remember, remember, Thomas said that uh, Jesus, uh, uh, you know, Jesus said to Thomas, you know, because he was doubting, he said, "Put your finger in my side, look at the nail prints, and so on." And so there, they've got the finger of doubting Thomas now. All of these relics were worshipped. That's the problem, mm. and there's nothing in Scripture that indicates we should worship the bones or the the relics of uh, of good people. You know, the whole focus of Scripture is on Jesus. He's the one who saves us. Yes, that's- and and. Where to look to him. That's exactly right. Look, Don, we
0: just need to take a break, and um, what, what you're sharing is, is really so important. We, we're going to come back and sort of wrap that up. Um, but can I just uh, remind everyone again that we have a great book offer. It's a book called The Vanishing Protestant, and uh, this book uh, looks at uh, is the protest, is the Protestant Reformation over in, in light of recent events that have taken place between... Um, uh, Catholics and and some other Protestant denominations. Um, if you'd like to get a copy of this book, uh, text the code, which is SA62, no spaces, so just SA62, to our number o four triple eight eight o eight double one. Don, we're just going to enjoy a lovely little piece of music here and we'll come straight back um, to look at how the Church of the Apostles uh, ultimately fell away. Uh, You're listening to Drive Time here on Faith FM.
3: Oh, you afflicted one Tossed with tempest and not comforted Do not fear For you will not be ashamed No weapon that's formed against you will ever. Or have dominion over you, my child You've been chosen for a purpose Won't you trust me? I'll see you through This tapestry's not yet done You're a work in progress A masterpiece is being spun can't see what I see Trust me, I am that I am Oh distracted one Burdened and weary Crushed by the weight of this world Please remember, this world is not your home.
0: song there by Janine Orwa, one of our very own local uh, singer-songwriters here, Tapestry. You're listening to Drive Time, tuned into Faith FM, and uh, Joseph Matichich here is with you with Don Felberg on the phone. Pastor Don Felberg is looking at the question for us, did the Church of the Apostles really fall away? And Don, we saw that... Yes, it, it sadly did, you know, um, you, you shared there that the warnings, uh, the predictions the apostle Paul gave and, um, in a couple of places that there would be this falling away from that pure, uh, apostolic church that, that that first true church that that was that was set up um, by Jesus and his followers, and uh, you gave us a number of examples of of various teachings and practices that that, that crept in. Uh, in the remaining few minutes that we've got, Don, do, what else is there that you wanted to mention about this um, particular topic?
1: Well, well, I'd like to just reflect a few moments on why moving away or falling away is so dangerous. Okay. And I think I would say that if you've only got the shell of Christianity, well then the heart is gone. Mm. It lacks it lacks any real meaning and any real benefit. And the other danger is that a number of these teachings replace Jesus And anything that replaces Jesus or pushes him out is dangerous because John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Yes. And so if we get rid of Jesus, well, then simply we've got no hope. We've Mm. got no salvation. Now, the other thing I would say is if a parent, as a parent, if you were to give directions to your child, and, uh, to do such and such and your child says, yes, very good. I'll, I'll do what you say. But then he goes off and does whatever he thinks best. How would you feel? Um, if you're a good parent, I would say you'd be a little bit upset by it. That's right. And God, and God has given us his word and he's given us directions and he's given us commandments, not for us to change to suit us ourselves but to bring our lives in harmony with them for our good mm. I think of Romans 7 and verse 12 the commandment is holy and just and good the Bible says Paul says mm. so why would you want to change something that is holy and just and good and replace it with something else Yes. and uh, Proverbs 14 and verse 12 says there is a way that seems right to a man at the end thereof are the ways of death. That's a pretty solid warning, isn't mm, it? It is, it is. And, and Pastor Joseph, you probably recall that uh, Jesus told a parable about two men that built a house, one built on the rock and the other built on the sand. And uh, the man that built on the rock when the floods came and the rains and the floods came, his house stood firm. But the foolish man that built on the sand when the floods came, his house got washed away. And Jesus told this little story to illustrate the fact that the wise man is the one who builds on the word of God. He Mm -hmm. said the one who hears the word of God and obeys it is like that wise man. The foolish man is the one who hears the word of God and then goes off and says, "I'll do whatever I think." And so, I would say to our listeners, we want to be wise, don't we? Yeah. And we're wise when we follow the word of God. And so, moving away from the word of God and setting up our own rules and teachings and traditions is 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 foolish. Jesus would say, because it leads to destruction. Deuteronomy 12, verse 32 says, Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. We have uh, not been given the, um, the privilege of saying, well, you know, you just take what you like in the Bible and, uh, and leave the rest. Um, God wants us to to follow all what He has said and to faithfully follow it. And uh, I think that's so important, don't you think, Pastor Joseph?
0: Absolutely right. God God knows what is best. God knows what what is important, and He's what He's given to us in His Word is there for a reason, and He uh, He knows that there is no benefit um, at all in in adding or, or removing removing from it. Um, and um and therefore the safest the safest uh way is to is to stick to that.
1: Yes, yes. You know when we're talking about this falling away, one of the one of the things you'll hardly believe this, but one of the things that happened was the bible was taken away from the ordinary people. Mm. Wow. They were told uh, that it, the, the Bible was chained to monastery walls and only the priests were supposed to read it and to interpret it to the people. And also, um, the Bible ended up being put on the index of forbidden books. That was in 1229 AD. <laughs> that's... You fancy that? I mean, talk about a falling away. That's, that's a major falling away, isn't it?
0: So, you, you, Don, Don, let's just be clear on that one. Um, it was put on the ind- index of forbidden books by who?
1: Well, by the Church of the
0: Middle Ages. Isn't that incredible? The Church itself placing the yeah. Bible, which which is the basis for our f- belief and practice, that is that is that is really reaching a low point, isn't it?
1: Yes, and so of course, if you've got. Um, when the people can't read the Bible for themselves and see it for themselves, well, then they are open to, it, it, it's open to corruption. Yes. You know, if you get a corrupt leader and he says, well, it says such and such, you pay this money yep. and you'll be forgiven your sins. And if people don't, they think, well, that's what the Bible says because he said that.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. And
1: it's so important for us. To to check things up in the Bible for ourselves to see that it's there. That's one of our safeguards.
0: That is a real and, really important point. Sorry, Don, to come in, but yeah, yeah, you know, we're we're almost out of time. And I think what well what this is really highlighting for us, Don, is that uh, the falling away happens when we when we when the church when the uh, and when we move away from the Bible and its teachings. And um, the way back is to go back to the Bible, and I think that's, that's where we're going to be heading in the, over the next couple of days, isn't it? Here it on is. Drive Time. Yeah, yeah.
1: It is. Tomorrow uh, we're going to talk about a very interesting group of people who held fast to the Bible in spite of fierce persecution and opposition.
0: And Don, would you mind just offering a prayer for us right now
1: as we wrap up today? sure be happy to. Loving Father we thank you that we've been able to talk about these very serious things today we want to thank you Lord Jesus for being willing to come and to, and to die for us to give us hope and a future. We thank you that you established the Christian Church upon yourself and to encourage us in our, in our walk with you and in our In our walk on the right track But Lord we thank you That in your own good time You have restored these truths That were trodden down And as we go through our series Over the next uh, few weeks We're going to discover How you looked after your truth And I just pray that you'll look after every listener and help each one to hold on to you, to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered unto the saints, as it says in Jude verse 3. So bless every listener, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, our time's up for today. Thank you for joining Joseph Matichich and Don Felberg. Hope you can tune in again next time on Drive Time. May God richly bless you.